0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 18th, 2010. And today we'll be doing a study like last week, kind of a combination study. With uh, First we'll be looking at some Bible verses like we've usually been doing. And then we'll segue into a, another study on the situation going on in the Gulf right now and, and what seems to be the actual truth as opposed to what we're getting on TV we're going to be looking also at pretty in-depth look at how the Internet seems to be becoming more and more regulated and uh, how we may not have a whole lot more time up on the Internet itself until they actually take it down, regrettably. But that looks to be the way things are, are moving. Things to pray about, definitely. Uh, we'll be looking also, a lot of looks at Obama, different things that he's doing right now, and... Um, North American Union, we'll be looking at that. Actually, we're going to be covering so many different subjects today, it's almost hard for me to all list them in the in the table of contents. Just a, a variety of different things we're looking at. I had a lot of news stories that were building up while I couldn't do studies, so I'm trying to cover a little bit of everything now as we're coming back online. We're going to be looking at Twilight also, the uh, vampire uh, show. We're going to be looking at that. Alien abductions. Uh... Looking at that, some wolves in sheep's clothing of the evangelical preachers, the author of The Shack, we be looking at some of his quotes, that book, The Shack, and, uh, oh, a McDonald's TV ad that features a homosexual teen, that's pretty sickening, you can actually go watch it online, but it's only being over in France, but anyway, that, we're going to be covering a whole lot more, but I just want to kind of give you a rundown table of contents there. Some of the Bible verses we can just look at for today before we start. Psalm 94, verse 16 and 20, and it says, who will rise up for me against the evildoers, Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? So God is asking a question there, and I believe that question is just as pertinent today as it was when this psalm was written. God wants people to, to rise up for him against evildoers and stand up against the workers of iniquity. He is the same God, you know, today, yesterday, and forever. So, uh, these are things to, to ponder and think about. And then it says, shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee which frameth mischief by a law. Now, we're seeing more and more of this framing mischief by a law regarding even our own government with things like the Patriot Act and various legislations, particularly that they're trying to ram through right now under this Obama administration. They're framing mischief by a law. So just because it's law of the land doesn't mean it's a lawful law of land. doesn't mean it automatically lines up with the Bible. So this is something that you have to um, compare Scripture with what are the laws being passed. The Bible says... When when Joshua said that, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So these are things you need to to kind of look. And there's a lot of very evil things coming down the road here that they're trying to force upon us. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So again, a warning from Jesus Christ. They're going to look real nice they're going to come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves so ultimately by their fruit you shall know them so that's one of the ways we can we can judge those matters Titus 1 15 B through 16 says unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled they profess that they know God. But in works, they deny him. So remember what we just said about one of the ways you can judge if somebody's of God. They deny him in their works. But they profess they know God, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Second Corinthians 11, 13-15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, So they appear to be apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, Satan's ministers, did you know Satan had ministers? It says his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness but inwardly they're ravening wolves. What is the most common denominator? They're hirelings. Jesus Christ said the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But the hireling has no love for the sheep, okay? Well, what's a hireling? Somebody that's doing it for the money, for the hire, basically. And um, then it says, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, uh, these are all verses that if they were ever to apply to a particular time frame, it would be now. Jesus said in Matthew 24, which is regarding the end time scenario, that to be not deceived, and let no man deceive you. And he, he said that over and over again. And these are things we should be looking out for. He also says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, the days of Noah were, basically the Bible said, man's mind were only evil, were thoughts of only evil continually. now I'm not saying that about the body of Christ, but in general, it was a incredibly, incredibly wicked time. So, parallels between those two times in our time. Uh, let's go further. <clears throat> Second Peter 2, 17-19 says, These are wells without water. Kind of in reference to the same subject here. False teachers, preachers, prophets, whatever. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to of whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lusts of the flesh. Now, one of the things I would kind of think about that would really apply to this is charismania. There's a, much, there's a huge pull through the lust of the flesh in that particular movement. People are always wanting to get a word from somebody, a word from their thinking from God, and this and that. Well, they're being allured through the lusts of the flesh. When I came out of that charismatic movement, There were several people that came out with me, and and we were shown what was going on. There was no doubt what was going on. There was a lot of wickedness going on. And I've I've gave that testimony before. But within, I would say, about a year to a year and a half, every single one of them were right back in it. So, again, it's a very, very powerful pull. And that's not just to say Charismania has a lock on that. All religious systems have a similar pull. But other ones have, I think, more of a pull. And I think of that when I think of the charismatic movement. So when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. So, you know, a lot of people would would condemn you if you're not going to a, a church or doing this, or doing that. But the Bible says, those are clean, escape those that are living in air. The body of Christ is more and more becoming just little pockets of people that meet together, and uh, fellowship together. Uh, And I think, you know, you can look at Acts in the New Testament church, and it's kind of going back to that way it was back then. and uh, Which is really a good thing. Particularly, typically, if you have thousands and thousands of people gathered together, usually... Corruption is at the door. Uh, Particularly if you look at your average 501c3 corporate church of America, who literally got their right to exist via the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, and the government. They gave them that permission to exist. Without that 501c3 uh, corporate uh, title, they would not have a right to exist in the fashion that they are existing. So, if they created the church, then who's the head of the church? You have to ask yourself that question. Well, it's Jesus Christ, they would say. But how can that be? How can you serve two masters? The Bible says you can't serve two masters. If a church is created through a 501c3 corporate uh, exemption, and they literally will signify the pastor as the CEO, and the board of directors as the deacons, and I'm not making this stuff up, if you want to know more about this, go up to unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com and get the book Trail of Blood Revisited, I believe two. It's by Dr. Greg Dixon. He'll explain that. I think he does the best explanation of anyone explaining this particular situation. And if anybody would know, he would because he had the largest independent fundamental Baptist church in America. And the uh, essentially the government They tried to to unregister themselves. They tried to get out from underneath this 501c3 corporate status. And the government was not going to let that happen. And they made sure that they made an example of them to the point where they literally laid siege to the church. Where people were literally camping out in the church because the government was coming after them. They, They came in essentially with SWAT teams. Removed everybody from the church. I'm not making this up. This really did happen. It happened in Indianapolis Baptist Temple. And um, then they bulldozed p- pretty much the whole facility, the whole campus to the ground. Remember, it was the largest independent fundamental Baptist church in America. It was a big place. They bulldozed it to the ground. And they wanted to make an example out of them. So that's what happens when you try to defy them. So, anyway, just as a side note there, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, let's see here. They allure through the lust of the flesh to must through much wantonness those that were clean escape them who live in air while they promise them liberty they themselves are servants of corruption now that's real common you have a cult that gets started or you have a pseudo christian cult that gets started and there's so many of them right now there's no way i can possibly cover them all and i tell everyone don't follow me don't 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 say oh i'm a follower of scott i don't want to be followed i want you to follow the word of god And if I can help to make sense of some of this end time scenario for you, well, praise the Lord. But don't follow me. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. So if you start trusting in a man, you're almost literally, the Bible says, it's like you're bringing a curse on yourself. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm. Not the word of God his arm, but flesh. And then the logical byproduct of that is whose heart departeth from the Lord. So again, I'm just I'm just here to try to help you. Not not to try to, to try to be some big leader or, or or whatever. And I don't even call myself a pastor or a deacon, I just call myself a watchman, that's it. So you gotta be real careful. While they promise them liberty, who are the, who are they promising liberty? Their congregations or whoever their followers are. And a lot of times, much of the time, that liberty i found is some special way of salvation. Like the Mormons have their own special way of getting saved. Or Jehovah Witnesses have their own little special way of getting saved. Or they're 144,000. Or Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, you gotta, you got to keep the... Uh, if, you're, if you're worshiping on Sunday, then that's the mark of the beast. That's what Seventh-day Adventists teach. They may not, it may not be the first thing you learn when you walk in the door, but that's what they teach. Worshiping on Sunday is the mark of the beast. I could have swore the Bible says it's when you take a, a mark in your right hand, in your right hand or in your forehead as the King James renders it. Almost all the other Bible versions render it on, which is a big difference because most likely it's going to be some type of microchip, maybe in combination with some type of mark, like some kind of holographic tattoo or whatever. I covered this in previous teachings. But if you're just thinking it's something on and not in, that can influence your, your thinking of what the mark of the beast may be. Anyway, um, there's, there's just a lot of these little pseudo-Christian cult groups and they're growing more and more and more and more. And they're preaching, for the most part, some special little niche doctrine way of salvation that only God has shown them. So, are we to believe then, with all these other little pseudo-Christian cults out there, or, or teachers, let's not even call them cults, let's say they are they think they're correct. And they think they've got some special little way of salvation that God showed them. Do you realize what that means? That means that every single person on the on the face of the planet that ever went before them, that didn't know this particular little cult doctrine, all are going to hell. Almost including the apostles as well because evidently they were deceived about it too think about that you need to apply that to whatever thing you're thinking that god showed you because if you go there that is pure pride and pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction pride will totally blind you to truth it blinded satan it was literally the first sin of the Bible, if you, if you look at it, if you believe Satan fell before the Garden of Eden, which I think he did. If that's the case, then the Bible says in Ezekiel, it says because of his beauty and because of his merchandise, he was lifted up. Two reasons. He had great possessions, Satan evidently did, and he had great beauty. He was called the anointed cherub that covereth. Literally, most likely, he covered the throne of God. He had musical instruments built into his being. Pipes and tabrets and things of this nature that the Bible talks about. And then Satan finally got to the point where he, he was called Lucifer at that point where he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend under the sides of the North. So what was the first sin of the Bible? Pride. That's all it really takes. Just pride coming in. And it blinds you. I mean, he really thought he was going to usurp God's position? Man, that's, that's nutty. I can't imagine anybody thinking that I'm gonna, I'm gonna get God Almighty off the throne. I mean, he was delusional, but that's what pride does, and that's what I see in all of these little. There's so many of them. I'm getting all these requests from people. Please do a study on this one. But I don't even, I haven't even heard about half of these things. I, I just got, the, I had two this week come from some little offshoot pseudo Christian cult thing, where they got like, you know, they're uh, they, they, they putting out their false missionaries on the street, and they were getting witness to, and I, I never even had heard of these things. They're cults. And then I looked at what they were teaching, and it was like, unbelievable, totally anti-biblical doctrine, and they're getting accosted by people on the street. And you know what it does? You know why Satan's, one of the reasons he's doing this? is because if he can put enough Jehovah Witnesses out there and Mormons on their bike, you ever see the Mormons that are on their bikes and they're, oh, they look so morally upright and they're doing their thing? Man, that makes me mad. I pray against them every time I see them because what what is their ultimate goal? Now, they don't know this, and I pray to God their souls be saved because I don't want to see them go to hell, but their ultimate goal, unfortunately, is through the Mormon church, for instance, if they can get you indoctrinated into that belief system and believe in that, where are you going to end up? Ultimately, you're going to go to hell. When I see people going around doing that stuff, I look at them as almost like missionaries of Satan. And if Satan can get enough of those people, like Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, now you got the black Hebrew-Israelite cult, I can't tell you how many people are complaining to me about that one. I need to do a study on them, I know. That one's really getting big. And I heard a thing, I was listening the other day on, uh, on Sean Hannity on the radio, and not to say I believe everything Sean Hannity says or whatever, but I like to get a feel for what's going on. And he had this, this uh, and she was a black lady. I'm not being prejudiced or anything there. I love, I love black, white, you know. I'm not being prejudiced at all. I'm just saying, this woman called up, and she said something to the effect, and evidently she had called Rush Limbaugh too. She said something to the effect that uh, it had to do with, it sounded like a mixture of Muslim doctrine, Uh, I believe had something to do with Louis Farrakhan and it had something, a lot to do with this black Hebrew Israelite thing because she flat out said, right on the air, we black nations are the true Israel. And, and this and this and that. And that doctrine is really becoming more and more and more prevalent. Just like you've got British-Israeli or Christian identity cult saying the Anglo-Saxon nations are now the true literal bloodline of the Jews. Okay, So we've, we've got all these different things forming in the, uh, in the end times here. And it's hard for me to keep up with it all. Uh, a lot of times what you can do is if you're having a problem with a cult, do a specific keyword search for their name on the internet. And I like using uh, that one search engine that doesn't record. It's called IXQuick. Q U I C K. It does not record your... Now I understand nothing's foolproof, but it's better than using Google, which is like nothing more than the arm of the CIA at this point. Or Yahoo, or any of these other ones. I would say Google is probably the worst. Uh, and again, we've done a lot of studies on them as well. But do a specific keyword search, like their name, the s- literal name of the, cu- the cult, in quotes, and then after that, do type in the keyword "warning" uh, or "and" or "heresy." Sometimes debunked. So what it's going to do is search for that. Cult, and then also search for the words "warning," "debunk," "heresy," and it's it's a process. It's sometimes you won't get any any hits on it, and then you have to kind of start cutting back on the keywords until you start getting something. Or you could also put "unbiblical" in there afterward. These are just other. Words. This is how I find stuff. So people will, will sometimes say, "Well, how do you find all this stuff?" Well, that's how I do it. Now, yeah, I have a lot of other resources I can fall back on, places I know I can go. Now, that's kind of hard to share with you because there's so many that I can go to. But an easy way to find something about a particular cult is that. Just do that, and many times you'll find it. Uh, let's go further here. Okay, so, while they promise them liberty, while these false teachers that speak great swelling words of vanity allure through the lust of the flesh... While they promise them liberty, and like I said, that liberty usually comes in the form of either I'm better than you, I do this and I do that, and I'm biblical and you're not, and you're going to hell, which is what they think. You go to hell because you're worshiping on Sunday. I thought Jesus Christ said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and that we're not to esteem one day higher than another. And that we're not supposed to judge each other in holy days, and in Sabbaths, and in new moons. I could Now again, I've done a whole study on, on this, and I've never taken more flack over that subject than I ever have over Hebrew roots people. I never, 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 there's no other subject that causes more uh, evil speaking of one another than that particular subject that I've ever seen. So again, I've done many on that, so I don't want to get into huge arguments with everybody, because I've already been there, done it. But, they start thinking that. So so when they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. They don't know that they're the servants of corruption. Pride has blinded them to that fact, unfortunately. The Bible says to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So they do it primarily through good words and fair speeches. Oh, I watch TBN, and there's this man so... And I'm not saying everybody on TBN is totally wicked or whatever, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the majority of these 501c3 preachers or whatever... Um, there's usually great problems. I don't understand why they're not warning their flocks more. Why aren't they preparing them for this end time delusion and scenario that the Bible says God would send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? Where does it say that? It says for God, and this is essentially right when the Antichrist is being revealed, this is right when the falling away of the church is talked about, or the apostasy as it's translated in 2 Thessalonians Thessalonians chapter 2, Right at that same point, and that's pretty much where we're, we're very near that point right now. It says, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, that's not the loving God I serve. Well, maybe it's not. I'm telling you, God's a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. And he, he flat out told you right there that the earmark of the day and time we're going into is going to be strong delusion. Not your garden variety delusion, strong. I don't even think I fully comprehend that. But I mean, I can see all the stuff that's going on in the world and think, yeah, there's a lot of delusion out there right now. And it's only getting worse. What is the remedy for that? Well, I believe the remedy is not letting yourself get into pride. S- sticking with the King James Bible in the English version. Not letting yourself get into pride. Just going by what the book says and praying for discernment, but also praying for humility. Humility is the remedy for pride in the Bible. If, you, if you're starting to think, oh, I'm this and I'm Mr. Fancy Pants and I got everything figured out and uh, look at me and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and they're not and I'm going to heaven and they're going to hell. You start getting into that mindset, that's pride. And I really believe the remedy for pride is, well, I should say two parts. Fear of God and humility. Fear of God will breed humility. So if you don't have any fear of God, you should pray for it. If you don't have any humility, pray for it. God um, resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. This is what we want. We want grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.11, it says, For by grace are ye saved. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So grace is, in in a lot of ways, our salvation is very much dependent upon the grace that God gives us to get saved. And who does he give grace to? The humble. Jesus Christ said, unless you come to me as a little child, I will not receive you. Unless you humble yourself as a little child, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You want to come before God as a little child. And I really believe if, if... uh, that was being more taught in the churches that the church would be a much different place. The fear of God and humility and thankfulness before God. The Bible talks about in Romans, I believe, one where it, was, it starts to get into how the, the um, men burning after men and women burning after women. Then, before that it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. But the first thing it says about all of them, it says they, they weren't thankful. They weren't thankful they were they were probably mad at God and they weren't thankful and thankfulness is so important before God you've got to maintain thankful i don 't care what your situation is, but if you start to get to a point where you're not thankful to God for what he's done, even if you're going through trials and tribulations that's a very dangerous point because that's a falling off point for a lot of people they become thank they become unthankful and then they become bitter. And then what happens? Well, the Bible says the root of bitterness springeth up and defileth many. It's like a root that grows in you, and you become bitter. And then it's 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 a very, very bad situation to get into. You want to lay the axe to that root before it actually happens. Or if it has happened, pray that God break, break you free from that, and pray for the fear of God and humility. And again, I've done a lot of separate teachings on these things. I'm just kind of bringing up a little bit about what we talked in the past here. So, they themselves are servants of corruption. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. Now, this is what happens when you go and you sit under any particular man or woman that is erring from the word of God. Eventually, you will be overcome if you go there week after week after week and sit under their teachings you will eventually be overcome. I believe. I believe. It's a slow process sometimes. It's almost like a gradual... But you might go in there in the very first time you go in there and say, wow, there's something wrong here. I don't... But if you continue to stay in that over and over... Now, I'm not saying God can't yank you out of it. He did that with me. But he also started showing me things And you don't want to get in a situation where you're being over... Because it's literally a demonic thing. It can be someplace that you go, and it seems innocent enough, but you're not seeing what's going on in the spiritual world around you. You could have demons coming in, influencing you, trying to push you to a particular heresy, and you're sitting there, you can't see the demons. But you're being slowly overcome. Wow, this guy sounds like what he's saying is really good. He's promising me liberty... He's speaking great swelling words. He's alluring me through the lust of the flesh. Sounds like a really good guy. sounds really sincere. Well, there's that expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now I know that's not a Bible verse, but it, it kind of is, because Proverbs 1412 and 1625 says, For there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So it seems right. I'm in this church, it feels right. Everybody's nice and this and that. Now again, please understand me. I'm not speaking against every church. And I'm not even sitting here speaking saying every single 501c3 church is based in period. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there are certain things we can do in churches to open ourselves up to deception. And some of the things are some of the stuff I've mentioned. So you've got a lot of these scenarios playing out in in the modern day church right now. And um, it's kind of the reason that we're in the shape we're in as far as the church goes. The church has been, unfortunately, for the most part, particularly the corporate church worldwide, has been leavened with bad doctrine, with watered-down doctrine, or with the corrupted Bibles, and on and on and on. And a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Jesus Christ said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. So we've got to beware of that above all things. So, Jeremiah 5, 26-31. This is an inter- interesting portion of scripture. For among my people, this is God talking, for among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait, as he that setteth snares, like a trap. And then it says, they set a trap. They catch men, as a cage is full of birds so are their houses full of deceit. Man, I'm sorry, but when I watch the, these, uh, and I don't do it very much, but when I watch these uh, TV evangelist guys like Benny Hinn and, and a lot of these other devils, they're, it's like that's what they're doing. They're laying wait. They're setting snares. They're setting traps. They catch men. It's like they're after your soul. Their cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. says it right there. Well, how could Benny Hinn get so rich and drive around that Beamer? And like, you know, be the man. And all these other guys, they got their private jets. Does Creflo Dollar have a jet? A lot of them have jets. (laughs) A jet. And you think Jesus had a jet? I understand we didn't have jets back then or the apostles. The Bible says Jesus didn't even have a a place to lay his own head. He wasn't walked around, you know, he wasn't out there after people's money. Neither were the apostles. But these guys, whose houses are full of deceit, are become great and waxen rich. So just because you go to a church, and it's some mega church, like Smiley Joel Osteen, or whoever else, and they're rich beyond, and, they're, and then they're telling their congregations, oh, bless God, because you're not like us, that means you're not right with God. Which is what a lot of times they'll say. You don't have the faith to believe that God can make you filthy rich. Jesus said that it were easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's why a lot of true born-again Christians don't get filthy rich. Why? Because once you become filthy rich, it's so easy to become full of pride. That one guy that that said he was real rich and and he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build new ones and and I'm going to set my soul at ease and then Jesus comes to him and says, Thou fool, this night shall I require thy soul. Well, he was trusting in his riches. His strong tower was his riches. That's how the Bible refers to, I believe, in Proverbs. The the strong tower they run into is their own riches. Whereas the strong tower we need to run into as a born-again Bible-believing Christian is Jesus Christ. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last, our Kinsman Redeemer. That's the tower we need to run to. So it says right here these wicked men that lay wait, set snares, set traps, catch men, their houses are full of deceit, they become great and waxen and rich, they are waxen fat, they shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause the cause of the followless, yet they prosper. So you got all this false doctrine being perpetuated in this in the standard corporate let's let's just talk about TV evangelism circles many times. And they're prospering. And you think to yourself, Well, how could they be prospering and not be of God? Well it says right here that's how they can prosper and not be of God. And the right of the needy do they not judge. The Bible says true religion is this when you visit the widows and the fatherless in their afflictions and these types of things. Well, they they're not, you know, they're not doing that most of the time. Shall I then it, the Bible goes on to say, Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? If that doesn't describe the corporate church of America in now, I'm not saying I don't want to make a blanket statement saying every single person's wicked and I'm the only one right, that's ridiculous. Okay, But I'm saying in general, doesn't that describe America, what's going on right now? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? It, it, it goes from among my people are found wicked men, and then it goes on to, to judging the whole nation. Because as the church goes, so goes the nation. If the church were doing its job, why in the world are things so the way they are? In this nation. Now I understand the Bible predicts this is going to happen. The Bible talks about the Laodicean church of of Revelation 3. Where it says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth because you're this way. But yet you think you're in need of nothing. This church. That's pretty much where I see us being. And then it goes on to say, A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. What does that kind of remind you of? That word about you know teachers having itching ears and running to and fro, seeking different doctrines, silly women, you know, compassed about with sins. Doesn't that kind of remind you of that? The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear, bear rules by their means. In other words, it's all about them. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Um, Unfortunately, I would have to say that's a pretty accurate assessment of America and a lot of other places in the world right now. And again, I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect, or I've got it all figured out, or I'm holier than thou. I'm not saying that for any... You know, I'm preaching as much to myself as I am any of you. But I'm just stating facts on, on what I see is going on in the world here and seems pretty obvious what's going on. Okay, we're far enough into this Part 1 teaching. I'm just going to go ahead and go to Part 2. And we're not going to muddy the waters by mixing the, the golf issue with the Bible verses we just had. So we'll see in Part 2. God bless you.